We're going to preach the word. I appreciate you guys calling out for that. And in just a moment, we're going to do that. Just a couple of things real quick. Uh, first of all, I'm just really, really proud today that I have my dad here with me. And this is my dad right here, Ron Duncan. And uh, if you guys, you want to, there he is right there. Yeah. He's a great dad. I'm really, really thankful for him. And uh, we've had a good weekend together. We had, uh, my brother was here and my nephew, who turned 16, and they left this morning. But um, my brother and nephew were here because we were having kind of a guy's weekend uh, because my nephew's 16 and my, my brother's trying to make that sort of a coming of age time, you know, for him and talking about being a man and what does that mean. And so we spent some time last night at dinner doing that. And uh, we got together and went turkey hunting. And because if you're, it's kind of a manly thing, you know, uh, we, didn't, we didn't kill any turkey, turkey, so that's not very manly, but uh, we did go sit in the woods together. But anyways, it was a great weekend. It was really a special time. And uh, I'm really thankful for my family and glad to have my dad here with me today. Just want to also say that on uh, Saturday, this coming Saturday, we changed the date to, uh, from, from yesterday to this coming Saturday for Gateway 102. And that's for anybody who's kind of new at Gateway and you sort of want to know, how do I get plugged in? How, where do I fit? How, what kind of ministry could I be a part of? Anybody's welcome to come, especially those who've just been through Gateway 101. That's a great next step. And we'll be doing that this coming Saturday at 2 o'clock. And Margot uh, Margo will be helping uh, teach that, and myself, the two of us will do that together. So you let us know if you want to come Saturday at 2 o'clock. We did announce it last week that it was yesterday at 2 o'clock, and we tried to get the word out that we had changed it. I hope nobody was here at 2 o'clock yesterday waiting for us at the building. If, if you were, then you'll need to forgive me uh, for, for that, and that, that's good because that will lead us right into our lesson today uh, because I'm a person who needs forgiveness for a lot of things. And my guess is, so are you. So are you. We just started a new series last Sunday called uh, 70 Times 7. And it's about forgiveness. Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive? And Jesus responded, 70 times 7. And you remember last week when we started this, this series... I had a pile of dirt up here, and we talked about dirt and how there are some people who have hurt us so bad that that's about what we think of them. We think they're just kind of a pile of dirt, and they're not worth much more than that. We also talked about that preliminary, before we can really forgive other people, that, that before that we need to forgive two others, and that is we need to forgive God, and we need to forgive ourselves. And if you weren't here last week, I really want to encourage you to grab one of those CDs as you leave or go online onto our website and listen because some of you even that may sound, you may be like, what do you mean forgive God or forgive ourselves? Well, go listen to the CD and you'll, you'll find out because I'm not going to talk about that anymore. So, uh, but those are kind of some of the preliminary things that, that, we, that we talked about last week. And next week, we're going to be very practical about how to. Okay, how do I forgive someone, John? But this week, this week we're going to read the story that Jesus told in Matthew 18. In response to Peter's question, how many times do I have to forgive? And in this story, we're going to get to the very, very heart of forgiveness. Now, before we read the story, we've got to, we've got to talk about three other things. We've got to talk about billboards, and we've got to talk about free tickets, and we've got to talk about debt. 
Of course, you always talk about those things before you read this story. Billboards. I wonder if you pay attention to billboards. If you, if you live uh, in a big city, they're easy to ignore because there's so many of them. But if you're out in the middle of nowhere or if there's something that you really need and that catches your attention, man, those, those things can really be, make an impact on you. Now, I, I found some that I kind of like. Uh, pretty creative. I thought that was a creative one for the Museum of Naval uh, History. They kind of made, they used the sort of the pole down there at the bottom to look like it was one of, you know, what is that called out of a submarine? What's that? Yeah, periscope. That's right. I couldn't remember that word. So yeah, I thought that was kind of creative. That's, this is another creative one to try to encourage people not to tailgate. They crunched the sign up. I thought that was pretty neat. I like that. I like the creativity of that. And then, um, and then also, I'm trying to get rid of this little sign down here. And then also, uh, here's a couple of just kind of funny ones. I guess if, if you need to lose a little weight, maybe. Uh, that was a good one. <laughs> Speaks for itself. <laughs> Some of you are going to get that about lunchtime. Some of you are a little slow on the uptake there. If you need it, you know. I mean, if you need it, right? If it's going to catch your attention, you're like, man, I, that is the one I wanted to see. All right? Now, Ikea is, I think, a furniture store, and I'm not sure about their judgment on, um, on this particular sign. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure about my judgment about showing this. That was a little questionable. And uh, if I was trying to hire somebody, I don't even know who this is. I don't care. I'd give them an interview. I think, I mean, what a creative, what a creative guy to come up with uh, spending his last 500 euro or whatever that means uh, to, uh, to try to get a job. So... I have a favorite billboard, and I'm, a, I'm guessing that probably a bunch of you have seen the billboard that I'm about to show you. It's not far from here. It's just about 30, 25, 30 miles down the valley, and, and it's right, right as you come into, I think, right into Hondo in there. Some of you shaking your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about, and every time I drive by it, I'm thankful I see it because I usually need to see this billboard Somebody, somebody's paying money every month to help remind us of what all of us need. And I'm thankful they do it. Secondly, we've got to talk about free tickets. I wonder how many of you have ever been just given some free tickets. Maybe to a concert or to, to a sporting event or, or maybe to go to a play or something like that. And somebody just said, hey, I got some extra tickets. Here you go. Amy and I have been given some tickets occasionally uh, to Spencer Theater here. You know, it's just a beautiful place right out here. And we've enjoyed that because it's an awesome theater. And usually the entertainment is amazing. And, uh, and it's not a place that we can normally, just on a regular basis, afford to go very often. But we've been blessed by some of you. You had a schedule change or you just wanted to bless us and you gave us a few tickets here and there. And, and uh, when you guys have done that, when friends have given those to us, you've done it with no strings attached. At least if you did, you didn't tell me about it. I took it just as a gift. And I never thought... Man, I better pay those guys back and get them some free tickets for something because they gave us free tickets to something, so we got to find something to give them free tickets to. I just simply said thanks. And I enjoyed the experience, and it deepened my friendship with you. Free tickets. And then, of course, we got to talk about debt. How many of you have 
ever had any debt in your life? Raise your hand. If you've ever had any debt in your life. Okay, that's pretty much a universal deal. Now, let me ask you another question. How many of you have found that no one has ever offered to pick up that debt for you? Raise your hand if you've never had that happen. Okay, most of us, almost all of us, have never had anybody say, hey, let me just handle that for you. And, and that's because we know how it works. We know how debt works. You borrow money. The lender adds a little bit of, of uh, some interest to that. And then you pay them back. This is how it works. You owe, you pay. That's the way the world works. Now, if, if you don't think that's true, I think this would be kind of fun if some people from Gateway this week just, just I mean, you know, life's short. Why not go try an experiment? Just go, just go to the bank where maybe you have a car loan or a house loan or something. Go in and just choose any loan officer, just any one of them, and just say, look, I, here's my name and here's my account number. And I've just been thinking a lot about this, this debt that I owe, and it's really a big bummer to make this payment every single month of my life. And I, I know that I owe, but I was just thinking, I don't think I'm going to pay anymore. So would that be okay? And see how that works out. I mean, I mean, what's the worst they could do? You know, they say no. But who knows? Maybe they might say, okay, sure. We were waiting for someone to come do that. I doubt it. I doubt it. And that's because all of us know the way that the world works. You owe, you pay. God, thank you for today. Thank you for our family, our church family. Lord, thank you for these songs that we've sung that have reminded us of what you've done for us. Thank you for this bread and this wine and for this time to be together. Lord, today, boy, every single one of us, we need, we need to let this story sink deep into our heart, God. Would you please do that work by the power of your Holy Spirit? May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our heart be acceptable in your sight. We pray it in the name of Christ. Amen. We'll be in Matthew chapter 18 today and starting in verse 21, and I'll have the scriptures right up here on the screen, and you're welcome to go along in your Bible if you'd like. Matthew 18, 21. Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? And Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. Or some of your versions say 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. Jesus is telling us a story. It's called a parable. And it's specifically a parable about the kingdom. This is not just a story about life in general. We know about life in general. Life in general is you owe, you pay. But about this kingdom, we're going to find out something a little different. We're going to find out what it's like to live in the kingdom. And Jesus is going to tell us a story about what he expects from people who are in this kingdom. So first, it's about the kingdom. Second, it's about a servant. And it's about a servant who has a very large account. It's a number that's so big that it's unthinkable. It's, it's like if we say, man, I owe that guy a zillion dollars. All right. I looked up on the internet to find out how much is a zillion dollars. And what I found out is it's between a trillion and a gazillion. 
All right? It's, it's just too high to calculate or to imagine. It's like the size of our national debt, sort of. It's just a gross exaggeration. Jesus is using an unreal amount to make a very real point. You are the servant. And you owe. Remember how we pray? Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. How much do you owe, God? How much do you owe the king? Well, you owe him a gazillion is what you owe him. You have, you have collected a mountain of debts, an insurmountable debt that you could never, ever pay back. So it tells us about a kingdom, it tells us about a servant, and it also tells us something about a king. The king in this kingdom, what is he like? Well, first of all, he is a man of staggering generosity. This is an unbelievable amount of money that he has given to somebody who could never pay it back. And this is true about our God. He is a king of staggering generosity, willing to give servants what they do not deserve. That's you and me. And he's a king who wants to settle accounts. I think there are times when we think that God just looks at the debt, the mountain of debt that we've accumulated, and he just sort of winks at that. Ah, it's okay. You've done your best. You've tried. I mean, I know you're a good guy. You're better than your neighbor, that's for sure. You know that lady, you know. You're better than her. Now, he just kind of like, it's okay. Don't worry. That's not, that's not the king in this story. He's not okay with our mountain of debt. Not okay. Doesn't wink at it. He has come to settle accounts. And so in this story, now comes the time of judgment. Because the servant cannot pay. And so what does he do? Well, he throws him in prison. Along with his family. Until they can pay. And you know what's going to happen? They're never going to get out. They're going to be in prison not just for the rest of their life. They're going to be in prison for generations. And the people who were listening to this story would have understood this. A, a servant's or a slave prison was not an uncommon thing at that time. If you got yourself in foolishly into horrible decisions, a person might sell themselves into slavery for a certain amount of time to pay the debt back. And after it had been paid back, they would be set free. Or they might sell their child into slavery for a time until it would be paid back. These people are never going to pay this debt back. It's impossible. And the listeners know. They understand because they know how life works. You owe. You pay. And then something very surprising happens in the story that Jesus is telling. So far, the listeners are tracking right along with him. And then he tells a very surprising thing that happens. Look what happens next. The servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me. He begged, I will pay back everything. He falls down and he begs for time, which is ridiculous. 
It would never happen. It would be like if some of us got together and we went to the city council here in Rudoso. You know, we got a little problem with our water right now, a little water shortage going on over here in, in New Mexico and in Texas and in the southwest part of the United States. And, and our lakes are getting dry. What if we were to go to city council and said, we have a fix you know that Grindstone Lake up there? How many of you have been to Grindstone lately? Raise your hand if you've been to Grindstone. You guys know what I'm talking about. We're talking low. But if we went and we said to city council, we got, we got a fix. We got some five-gallon buckets, and we know a place in Roswell where we can get some water. And so we're going to get together. We're going to go over there, and we're going to bring some buckets back, and we're going to dump them into Grindstone, and we'll take care of your problem for you. Just give us enough time. That's what this servant is. That's like what this servant is asking for. A thousand lifetimes couldn't fill up Grindstone Lake, nor could a thousand lifetimes repay what this man owes. And the people who are listening to the story by Jesus probably laughed. And they know what's coming. Because they know how life works. You owe, you pay. And so they know the axe is about to fall on this guy right here. And strangely enough, it doesn't. Next verse. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. He was moved with compassion. And he does two things. In the original text, these two things are actually switched in order of what they are in our text today. He actually says he lets him go first. You are free. You don't have to go to prison. Your family is safe. And if that wasn't enough that he's not going to punish him, he does even more than that. He cancels the debt. And a mountain of debt doesn't just disappear, does it? it doesn't, you don't just say, well, it's, it's canceled and poof, it goes away. Somebody has to pay. Who pays? Who? The king pays. That's right. The king is the one. Who pays? Jesus at this moment in his story is rewriting what everybody that's listening to the story has known. Instead of you owe, you pay, Jesus rewrites the story and he says, you owe, I'll pay. That's the economy of grace. God says, I'll pay so that you can go free. Imagine this man going home telling his wife, we're not losing our house because of my foolish stupidity. It's not going to ruin our life. Imagine him telling his kids, you don't have to go to jail. That'll make a teen's life every day when you get to tell him that. And it's all grace. Do you get that? It's all grace. And I think this is such an important story because it's the story of the human race. I believe it's your story. And I know it's my story. God is lavishly generous. And he's painstakingly just. And we have a mountain of moral debt that is offensive to him. Every time we lie and cheat and gossip and we're ungrateful for the gifts that God has given us and we ignore people. Every time we tell a racist joke or spread a word of gossip or have a lustful thought or a prideful attitude, every time we are mean towards someone, greedy in our decision making, every time we have an outburst of rage, 
Every immoral deed that we have done and hateful slur that has come out of our mouth, every vengeful move and gluttonous binge and wrongful accusation towards someone else, every complaining and arguing moment in our life, all of it makes up a mountain of debt that is offensive to this generous, account-settling king. Now, I've been a minister for 25 years of my life. And it took me about 30 seconds to make up that list. You know why? Because my wife has done every one of those things. No, I'm, I'm just kidding, babe. She's done a few of them. You know why, because that's my list. Minus a few things I didn't want to tell you about. And if you're pretty honest, that's probably pretty close to your list. And then one day the king, he came to me and he said, John, you owe, I'll pay. And one day he came to you and he said, you owe, but I'll pay. Do you remember that day? Wasn't that a great day? Wasn't that an amazing day when God spoke to you? In that way, it's all grace. Jesus paid the price with his life for this mountain of debt. And that's the first act of the story. And wouldn't that be great if that was the end of the story? I mean, that'd be a great story just like that. That'd be wonderful. It reads like poetry in motion. But the second act really reads more like a Greek tragedy. Look what happens in verse 28. When the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. Now, he finds a person who owes him, a denarii was like a blue-collar worker's one-day pay, one denarii. He, this person owes him a hundred denarii. So we're talking about a significant amount of money that he owes him, three or four months worth of work. It's not a small debt. It's, it's not a small offense. But it is payable. It's possible the guy could have repaid him. And the interesting thing about the way Jesus tells the story is he says, this servant says the exact same words as the first servant. He fell, the fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, be patient with me and I'll pay you back. Just like the words he had got through saying. And the listeners who are listening to this story, they got to be thinking, Man, this is going to be a great story. I mean, this is going to be awesome. Because you know, you know this guy, the first servant, is going to give him time. He's going to be patient with him. Or he's just going to forgive his debt. Of course he's going to do that. But he doesn't. He grabbed him and he began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. He doesn't want to forgive him. He doesn't want to give him time. He wants to hurt him. He reverts back to the economy that he has always known. You owe, you pay. You owe, you pay. And the listeners had to be shocked by this. He goes on to throw him in jail. He refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay back the debt. They had to be flabbergasted when they heard this part of the story. That's unthinkable in every way. His attitudes, his words, and his actions have been a 
Slap in the face. To who? To the king. To the king. And I believe this is the most important point of the whole lesson right here. So listen close. I believe it's the point of this story. Is that even though the king canceled that man's debt, I don't believe the man accepted the offer. The king said, you owe, I'll pay. But he didn't get it. He's still living in the economy of you owe, you pay. And if you look back carefully at the text, he never asked for grace. He never asked for mercy. He didn't ask for that. He just asked for more time to work his way out of debt. And I know some people who call themselves Christians, and it's not my place to judge whether they are or not. These are people who have many actions in their life to back up their claim that they're a Christian. And yet, these are also people who have never accepted the offer, you owe, I pay. They've never accepted the free, absolutely free ticket that we talked about at the beginning. They're still trying to work their way into God's good graces. They've ignored the scriptures that say this. They've ignored the scripture from Revelation that said the spirit and the bride say come and let him who hears say come. Whoever is thirsty, let him come. And whoever wishes, let him take the what? Let him take the what? Everybody together, let him take the what? The The free gift of the water of life. They have not looked closely at what Romans 6.23 says. For the wages of sin is death, but the what? Is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Many are aware of their mountain of debt. And they've met the king who settles accounts. But they've never heard the king's compassion and grace. Who said your mountain of debt is canceled. You owe, I pay. And folks, that's the whole problem with unforgiveness. Unforgiven people do not forgive other people. Let me say that one more time. Unforgiven people do not forgive other people. Forgiven people find that it's possible. Now, it's hard. And we're going to get to some of that next week. It is hard to do. But they find that it's possible to forgive those who have significantly hurt us. I want to tell you today, if any of you are thinking with the folly of this servant, you're thinking, God, just be patient with me. I'll pay it all back. Let me tell you the truth. You cannot pay it back. You will never be able to pay it back. And yet sometimes I am like this servant, and so are you, I have a feeling. I want to hurt the people who have hurt me. I want to grab them. I want to choke them. And the answer is not to try harder. It's just, you know, come on, just do it, John. Just be a better forgiver. The answer is to make sure that you and I have accepted God's grace and then to make sure that we remember how huge of a mountain of debt has been canceled. He refused to do it. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown in prison until he could pay back the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Folks, when we kingdom people refuse to cancel a debt. The response is not, well, that makes sense, I guess, or, well, that's just the way that person is. They have a hard time forgiving. That's not the response. The response is they were greatly distressed. And if you're in the kingdom of God and you are not forgiving someone, that is not okay. 
That is not some small deal. It is unthinkable that you would not forgive someone. It is unimaginable and it is distressing. It is not an option for you to stay where you're at if you are not forgiving someone. The final act. In this act, there are no tears, there's no begging, there's no second chances. There's just a king who has righteous anger and he settles his accounts in a frightening way. Then the master called the servant in, you wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, as the master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. He says to him, you were shown forgiveness, but you won't give it. You were granted mercy, but you won't bestow it. You were showered with love, but you will not extend it. You were offered the economy of grace, and you responded with the economy of vengeance. So here's the deal. Have it your way. Is that the way you want it? Then have it your way. That's what you want. That's what you'll have. And then we come to verse 35, which is a very disturbing verse and a very difficult verse to line up with the gospel. And here it is. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother from the heart. That's a tough verse to resolve because of what we know about the gospel, about the good news of Jesus Christ. Here's the gospel. Jesus died for you to pay for that mountain of debt, for those sins. And you can't add anything to your salvation. Jesus paid for your your salvation 100%. Salvation is a free ticket. And you can accept it, you can be thankful for it, and you can let that gift and the Holy Spirit change your life to look more like Jesus. So how do we line this verse that's on the wall behind me up with free tickets? Well, I'm going to give you three quick ways, and I'm not going to tell you which one is the right answer, but I'm going to give you three options. Here's one option. God will not forgive you, and you cannot be saved and go to heaven unless you forgive other people. And I have a feeling there's probably some of you in this room, or maybe quite a few of you, that that's what you believe this says. I personally don't adopt that belief about this verse. But I can understand a person having it. It's, it's pretty crystal clear, cut and dried, isn't it? You either forgive, or that's how you're going to get treated. Here's another way to interpret this. Even though your debt has been canceled, in other words, you can still go to heaven someday, but here's the deal. If you want to spend the rest of your life in the prison of unforgiveness, if that's what you want to do, if you don't want to enjoy being set free, if you want to experience the miserable prison of reliving the hurt over and over and over every day for the rest of your life, then have it your way. Go ahead. Stay in prison. That's the second way, and that's a pretty good way to interpret this. I'm going to tell you the third way is the way that I... This is, this is my take on this verse. I don't know what this verse means about heaven and about the gospel for sure. But I know this, in the kingdom of God, forgiven people forgive other people. That's what this verse says. 
Forgiven people forgive other people. I want to tell you this as we finish. The gracious king, the account-settling king, wants you to know that he loves you, that he forgives you of your mountain of debt, and just to make sure that you would not forget, he put a big, huge billboard just outside of Jerusalem on a hill called the Place of the Skull, and here's what that billboard looks like. John Kiker read Psalm 32 for us this morning. In verse 3 and 4, basically, David says, I was in prison. But then in verse 5, he says this, Finally, I confessed all my sin to you, and I stopped trying to hide my guilt, and I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord, and you forgave me, and all my guilt is gone. Next week, we're going to be talking about practical answers to the question, how do I forgive? But I thought today, the way we should finish this morning is with a time. This is our, this is our invitation. This is the invitation. is for you to remain seated and for us to have a time of silent confession. The singing group is going to sing. They're going to start singing right now. And I want you to sit quietly. If you'd like to, I'd like to invite you to bow your head. Because you may have some business to do with God in your heart right now. See, you have a mountain of debt. But one day the king came to you and he said, you owe, I'll pay. And I want to invite you today just to confess to him all the things you know that he's paid for you. I want to invite you to experience his grace today. And I want you to watch as he unlocks the door of unforgiveness and lets you go free. The invitation is for you to be silent and to confess your sins to God.